It's a sad, sad day in Denver today as news came down uh, really early this morning, just after midnight, that legendary Broncos owner Pat Bowen um, passed away after a long battle with Alzheimer's disease at the age of 75. And Zach didn't feel right to play an ad before this podcast, didn't feel right to play the intro song before this podcast. So we're, we're starting cold here. Uh, just paying our respects to Mr. B. Yeah, the, this is for for Pat Bolin, um, and at 75 years old, late last night, surrounded by friends and family, passed away from the the brutal disease that he was battling. And and Ryan, I mean, the best place, in my opinion, to start with this is just by listening to the ones that were closest to him and what they've said about Pat. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of stuff kind of came out last night, and it started with a statement from his family, and and I'll share that here. Uh, We're saddened to inform everyone that our beloved husband and father, Pat Bowen, passed away on the next chapter of his life late Thursday night, peacefully at his home, surrounded by family. His soul will live on through the Broncos, the city of Denver, and all of our fans. Our family wishes to express its sincere gratitude for the outpouring of support we have received in recent years. Heaven got a little bit more orange and blue tonight. Pat Bowen had a competitive spirit with a great sense of humor. As fun-loving as he was, he always wanted us to understand the big picture. We will forever remember his kindness and humility. More important than being an incredible owner, Pat Bowen was an incredible human being. I mean, the the whole thing gets you chills, but the line of heaven got a little more orange and blue tonight, that's, that's chilling. And did you see the sunrise over Denver this morning? Woke up to it. It was incredible. A perfect, perfect orange and blue sunrise. And that's no accident, Zach. Mm -mm, No. Um, But you mentioned, you know, listening to the words of others as it relates to Pat Bowen. You've seen everyone, everyone uh, who is involved with the NFL say something, whether it's John Elway and TD whether it's Arthur Blank, whether it's Robert Kraft, you mentioned he uh, released a statement. If you are involved with the NFL, you have said something today about Pat Bowen. You woke up with a heavy heart, uh, you know. And I know I've, I know a lot of Broncos fans have said they they took the news with tears in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's comforting, I think, to know that he's in a better place, but loss in in any way is always tough and I think uh you know it's completely understandable why all of Broncos country whether they knew Pat Bowen or not or ever even interacted with them uh you know is feeling extremely emotional today there there's no question about it and pretty much what all of these people have to say collectively Ryan is he was a fantastic owner which we'll go through the numbers whether it's today whether it's on Monday the best, I mean, it, the, certainly the best owner in Colorado sports history and one of the best owners in the NFL, the greatest sports franchise or, or, or the, the greatest, the biggest sports in America. He was one of the best ever. But then you hear people, it, the same people that point to that, they follow it up with, and he was an even better person. And what you do is you look at beyond the football field. What did he do? He put his players first. He put his fans uh, above everything else, and he put the community right there with all of that for 35 years. 
and that just speaks to the type of person he was. Yeah, I put it out last night. It was essentially my first reaction to the news, and I said he's the most important figure in Colorado sports history. And you just think of what him turning the Broncos into a winner did for this state, and and it starts with sports. Because we probably wouldn't have the Rockies if, you know, Pat Bowen and the Broncos didn't prove that this team can handle it. You know, this was – before Pat Bowen got here, this is a, you know, as people like to say, a dusty old cow town. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the Broncos turned into a winner, it became clear that this was a sports town, a legitimate city, uh, you know, not just some old western gold panning, a gold rush settlement. And that might be a a little dramatic, but it's kind of true. So you get the Rockies, you get the Avalanche. That that starts with Pat Bowen, in my opinion. Uh, And then you go on beyond sports. What have the What have the Broncos becoming a pillar of the NFL done for the state as a whole? Done for the economy? Done for? Literally, you and I (laughs) being here because there's a demand for Broncos coverage. The economic, uh, you know, ripple effect of what Pat Bowen did for the state of Colorado is pretty much impossible to measure. It can't be measured. And so his legacy, to me, lives in every moment that we get from Colorado sports and lives in really the utopia in my opinion that denver and colorado itself has become pat was not born in colorado but he embraced it uh, like like no one else especially for being here so long ago and here's what he said he said i call it sort of a western mentality we're proud to be coloradans and we're proud to live in denver we really stick up for our city and we really stick up for our sports teams that right there is just just em- absolutely embraces what Pat Bowen was all about for so long. And w- with the community stuff, not just the, the fantastic points you pointed out, but specifically with helping the community directly, donating over $35 million just since 19, the, the early 1990s when he founded the Denver Broncos Charities. He donated over $35 million to the community and started what what is so cool. The only team funded, completely funded by the team, Boys and Girls Club in Denver, which is, is just so cool. And that's the reason why uh, at that Boys and Girls Club, they name the field the Pat Bolin Field. And that actually brings up a good point, Zach. There's been a lot of talk about naming the stadium after Pat Bolin. I don't know if that's going to happen. Here's what I expect. Mm. Pat Bolin Memorial Field at Chipotle Stadium. Whatever it may be. I think that there's a very good chance that that comes in and almost replaces the at mile high part. You know, you can kind of have two parts to a stadium. So instead of Oracle field at mile high, you have Pat Bowen stadium at, or Pat Bowen field at Oracle stadium. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all, Ryan. And this year 
is going to be a celebration of Pat's life like no other. You know, whether whether or not they do something like that, which would not surprise me. Uh, the Hall of Fame game, of course, Champ is also there, but it's really going to be celebrating Pat's life. Um, and then you have the Hall of Fame ceremony during the Titans game in October where the uh, Broncos will celebrate that at halftime. You're celebrating the 100th year of, of the NFL this year, and I think they're going to really embrace Pat Bolin, not just locally, but I think nationally they're going to embrace him uh, like they haven't done in the I was past. I say that would be a first. It, and, and I think they, they actually will get this right, and they will do that. And something that, that came to my mind, well, one of the things that came to my mind right away is some people, Ryan, across the country – may just really be finding out who Pat Bolin was uh, this morning and not, you know, hearing his name for the first time. I think every football fan has heard his name, absolutely. But really finding out the impact he had. And the reason for that is 100% just, you know, disrespect for this state outside of this state. But also, Pat didn't want it that way, Ryan. Pat wanted everything to be about winning the fans, and his players. And he did everything in his power to make sure that those three things would happen, that the fans would have the best experience, that the players would be in the best position to succeed on and off the field. And I think that's something that we're really going to find out even more of in these next few days is everything Pat did behind closed doors for individual players and hearing these awesome stories of, of how he helped people, and I know some, um, so, some of those already. But the third thing was, he did everything, everything, to make sure that this team won. And you think you may say to yourself, "Well, of course. I mean, every owner does that, right?" No, this is a business. You can make business decisions by saving money, and if you save money, it maybe you're not spending all your salary cap. But also, maybe you're not hiring two or three extra scouts or two or three uh, extra executives, and that hurts you. And Pat never did that. He always made sure that this state had the best possible football team. Couldn't agree more, and, and great points on all accounts, Zach. Um, you mentioned a couple things there, though, that I just can't help but uh, address. You mentioned the Hall of Fame. You mentioned respect for the Broncos, and you mentioned respect for the state nationally. And shortly after my original thoughts last night, which were, wow, what, what, what Pat Bowen has done for this state community, fan base, et cetera, is, is incredible. My next thought was, mm, the Hall of Fame really, really, really got it wrong. And I know we've talked about it before on this podcast, but it just feels worse today. It feels wrong that whether he was cognizant or not, that Pat Bowen did not officially become a member of the Hall of Fame while he was alive. You know, maybe his family could have gone and let him put his gold jacket on. Maybe there would have been one, maybe he would have had a a moment of clarity where he was just able to see the gold jacket on his body. And to your point, really quick, Steve Atwater delivered the news that to to Pat Bowen when when he was elected into the Hall of Fame, and he did say uh, that there was a, a smile 
that came from him. And that and that's great. But he wasn't an official member of the Hall of Fame as a living man. And that bothers me because the committee had a chance. In fact, they had two chances to get Pat Bowen into the Hall of Fame when he was alive, and they got it wrong. Uh, there's no justification for Jerry Jones over Pat Bowen. We've gone over it a thousand times on this podcast. And Jerry Jones is an active owner. Pat Bowen was, a, you know, to not beat around the bush here, he's a dying man. And they had a chance to put him in two years ago when he was a lot more here than gone than he was, you know, when, when it happened. And I'll never, ever forgive them for first putting in Jerry Jones and then next putting in Bobby Bethard before Pat Bowen. It's just not right. Simply not right. You're 100%. And my, my comment was actually just to add to yours. It wasn't trying to take away. No, no, it I It was know. that I think you're right. If, if, if his family was able to put the gold jacket on him, maybe he has another moment right. uh, of positive and really gets to enjoy that. So I, I completely agree with you. And it is, it is such a shame. Ryan, they didn't even have to do this the year he was diagnosed with, with this terrible disease and had to step away uh, for, from the organization in his official capacity. Could have done it 10 years ago. And what would have been the problem with that? Nothing. Nothing. So I 100% agree with you. Yeah, it's just it, it's just frustrating because it, it didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be this way. And, and um, to make it worse, I think those people that voted in Jerry Jones when they did know they were wrong and know there was pressure from Jerry Jones and the Jones family and the Cowboys to get him in. And, and it just happens to be that Jerry Jones donated a bunch of money to the Hall of Fame in Canton um, to, you know, build something that year. And it just, it sucks when something that means so much to so many people is compromised. And I think especially in that round, the Hall of Fame was compromised for political or whatever you want to call it reasons, really just money when it comes down to it. And that sucks because here we sit today, you know, a month away or however long away from the Hall of Fame game, two months, and Papillon's gone. And like I said earlier, he'll never be able to wear a gold jacket. And that sucks. So I had to get that off my chest. Um, and, and I think I'm, I'm in a, uh, a boat that is full, full of a lot of people on that one, yes. including you. Um, but one thing I wanted to do here is uh, Patrick Smythe, the Broncos head of PR, president of communications, I think is the correct title, um, sent out a really great, you know, memoriam of Pat Bowen last night. And I know we have a lot of fans who listen to this podcast who became Broncos fans really long after Pat Bowen had been separated from the team, at least in, in the day-to-day duties. And this piece that was sent to us is littered with awesome quotes from Pat Bowen. And I just, I feel like, you know, you've heard the stories, but reading these quotes, you can kind of get a feel for how he approached owning the Broncos. So I just wanted to share a couple of these here. 
first of all, talking about the 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 team and and what it's worth, he said no one is going to care whether the team is worth a billion dollars or whatever, and it's worth well more than that by now. Mm-hmm. He says that doesn't matter. It's more about how successful you were as an organization and as a team on the field and in the community. Exactly. Exactly it. He wasn't making business decisions. He was making decisions on the football field and for the community that diehard supported this this team. And a, a lot of owners want a team as a toy. They want a team as a flex. They want a team so they can sit in the owner's box and they can roll up in their nice car. And, and <laughs> Pat rolled up in his nice cars, no doubt about that. <laughs> but I saw a clip of him last night shortly after he bought the team and he said, don't get it twisted. I'm not buying this as a hobby. I'm buying this to make this my full-time job. I want to be the owner of the Denver Broncos. I want to make this team successful. I want to win. I don't want anything to do with just buying the team to buy it. And I love that he he said that. This man is a, a billionaire at the time. He doesn't need a day job. And yet he took on the Broncos and decided to put every day into making the Broncos better, making the community better, and and giving this state a football team that they could be proud of. And this the this wasn't a side hobby like you just referenced. It's not like this was he just gave, you know, half his money to buy the team and did other things. No, Ryan, he wanted to do this so badly that he got the rest of his family to pitch in some money so that he could make this happen. And that it just shows you he was over 100% committed. Because I think when, you, when you're asking your family to invest in something you believe in, then you truly are over 100% committed. Next quote here that stuck, stuck out to me. One thing that's important to me is that we put a team on the field that can contend. I like to think that the Broncos are going to win the Super Bowl every year. I get a thrill out of that. And I know how much that means to Colorado and to Denver. That's it. When you hear these quotes, you can like see the entire legacy of the Broncos, right? In, yep. in, in every word, like everything that you see today, whether it's all the community outreach. I mean, the Broncos are maybe the best in the NFL in terms of community outreach. When you see, you know, the, the win now, like all of that, and, and sometimes it's for better or for worse, you know, but all of that comes back to what you're hearing in these words. And, and like I said, Patrick Smith did a great job of building this because to me, it it's just outlining why the Broncos are the way they are. Exactly. The next one here, he said, as far as the f- business of football, winning is everything. It doesn't matter what it's worth. If you're worried about what it's worth, get into some other business. I mean, it's it just gets deeper and deeper. Exactly. And again, this is a guy who's having to speak to other owners a lot on committees. I think he served on 91 committees um, or served 91 seasons of time on 15 committees, which I think is the third most for any owner ever. This is a guy who had to stand up to a lot of other owners who were just in it for the money mm-hmm. and explain to them that it was about more than that. And According to those who were involved in those conversations, he was one of the very few people who could tell these guys who always had it their way, mm-hmm. no, that's not the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And and you hear something like that, if you're, hitting, if you're in this for the money, get into another business. Like That's a powerful quote that 
not everyone can say um, as an owner. Absolutely not. All right. Uh, talking about the fans, this is their team. It's not my team. If you, if you, I think if you manage the club well, the fans will appreciate it. They have a stake in it too. He says, later, I would much rather operate behind a curtain and let the athletes and coaches be the entertainment. I think that's the way it should be. A little shot at Jerry Jones, in my opinion. I was just going to say, you talked about Jerry Jones just a minute ago, and that's exactly what this is. And uh, he in no way wanted the attention. Robert Kraft isn't a guy that, putting this past year, be you know not not talking about this past year he's a guy that doesn't go out of his way to get attention but he wears the the crazy shoes and makes sure his box is open for for everyone to look at pat pat wanted nothing to do he entered in the back door of the building every day and ryan he was there at 4 30 in the morning every day and the first thing he did was go and check on the players that that were in the training room and see what he could do for them what he could do for them in terms of helping them rehab to to get healthier but also asking them about their families getting to know them and that just shows you it, people may say well ha- everyone puts the players first right no it's easy to say that hell no and of course you're going to say that as an owner but he lived it and that is a one really cool story of how he lived it and you just look at Steve Antonopoulos, Greek, the, the longtime trainer, the only trainer or the only person in the organization that had been there every single year with Pat. He broke down in tears when he found out that he was going to be the presenter for Pat Bowling just because of how much Pat Bowling meant to him, not only as a boss, but as a friend and as someone that got to watch his craft every single day and to me, that just speaks everything on how Pat approached this job and how he approached uh, everything about the job all the way down to the players and, you know, the, the training staff. Yeah, and, and, and going back to that quote when he says, I, I want it to be about the players and, and that sort of thing, that is leadership. Leadership is not about grabbing something by the horns and steering it in the right direction. And I've, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast because it's something that I think about a lot. Leadership is putting people you trust in positions where they are empowered, winding them up, and letting them go. Mm-hmm. And Pat Bowen was the best at that when it comes to ownership in sports. He did not micromanage at all. Now, of course, he was involved mm-hmm. and was you know uh, um, could be the final decision maker on a lot of things. But he, where he was so successful is as a, a man, a very proud man and a very wealthy man who, you know, could have easily been an iron fist. He was not that. He believed in letting people do their jobs and doing them well. And if they did them well, gave them more power, more freedom. If they didn't do them well, replace them. He really towed that line incredibly well. And I was thinking about that earlier today, just of how difficult that is. Because I think if I were to give a perfect leadership style, I would phrase it very similarly to what Pat has done, is say you want to empower people, you want to let them do their job, you want to give them all of the resources necessary, but at a, at a point you have to know 
as the boss when to step in. And sometimes, and I think you see this a lot in sports and just in business in general, sometimes what happens is you give it a year and you toe that line perfectly, and then you don't like something, so you step in and make a decision, and nothing's wrong with that. But then you say, ooh, that power felt kind of good. I liked the way we went after that. Or, heck, I just liked having my voice heard. So then instead of waiting a year, you do it six months. And then you make the next decision in three months, and then in three years down the line, you're making every decision and you completely blew up that, that thought process of empowering people. Pat did it so well. And the biggest thing you saw was he had to fire one of his best friends. He had to fire Mike Shanahan. And after empowering him, giving him all that, he knew when he believed was the right time to, to make that move and do that. So it's one of the toughest things you can do in, in, in business, and he did it incredibly well. Another one here. It's important to me that this organization lives up to their high reputation, its higher reputation, and that the people connect Denver Bronco. Sorry, let me try this again. It's important to me that this organization lives up to its high reputation. I'm struggling. High reputation and that people connect the Denver Broncos with Colorado. Well, I think that's happened, I mean, in spades. I think a lot of people, when they think of Colorado, instantly think of the Denver Broncos. That is that is so cool because he didn't want to just be an owner and make money off the team. He didn't just want to be an owner of an NFL team. He didn't just want to win. He wanted to represent this state. That And that, to me, and I'm sure you agree, to me as a Colorado native, that to me is maybe the best part of all of this is that he took pride in Colorado and anyone that lives here does that a lot people that live here take a lot of pride in this state and it really would have been easy for a guy who's not from Colorado put the check down get back on the private jet sign the papers head out to LA and hole up you know in the hills and you know be a puppet master from afar it probably wouldn't have been too difficult for him to just move the team. Oh, yeah. Soon after he bought it. I mean, there's probably people who told him he should have. Yeah. Could have easily taken the team to L.A. as soon as there was a vacancy there. Mm-hmm. But it was never about that to him. And and like you said earlier, you know, he had the quote here. I call it sort of a Western mentality. We're proud to be Coloradans. We're proud to live in Denver. We really stick up for our city, and we really stick up for our sports teams. Yep. Come on. That's that's all you could ever ask for as as someone who is from the state is the mo- like I said earlier, probably the most important figure in sports in the state caring for the city and and caring for the city from the bottom up. You know when a politician is runs for office, let, let let's say a senator runs for office and they're they're from that state, born and raised in that state, it's just simply easier to get behind that instead of an outsider that comes in, you know, has a job in that state for sometimes three years, sometimes no years. They just say that state, Colorado, I think I can, can become a Senator if I run for, for the Senate in that state. And, uh, you know, a lot of people get behind them if the message is right and what they believe in, but just still doesn't, it doesn't feel, it's not as easy to get behind and, and it's not coming from the heart. You know, it's coming from the, from the brain. 
Pat feels like a, a native, and that's because he said when he came here, this is my state. I'm going to fully embrace it. I'm going to live here, and I'm going to do everything I can for the team, community. I want to be Colorado. So it was so easy for people to get behind not just his team but him because he was that local uh, politician running where there, there, there's no question you're going to get behind him, and especially when this is in politics and everyone loves the Broncos, and then you have this owner that just embodies everything about this state. And it's one thing to say it, and it's another thing to do it. And I think the stamp and the footprint that he left on Colorado as a whole, like I said earlier, will live on forever. For 30, 35 years, he did all of this, too. 35 years of, like we said, community outreach. And, and in the end, like he said, above all else, winning. Mm -hmm. 35 years of winning. And you said this is going to live on forever, which I completely agree. One of the things in this is Pat said rebuilding is not in my dictionary. It's not in my arsenal. What did John Elway say just a few years ago when asked about potentially rebuilding? He said the exact same thing. The exact same thing. He said, I, I, I think John actually, in answering the question, and the question was phrased with using the word rebuild, John said, I'm not even, not even going to say that word. Or maybe it was Joe. But it just shows you that he has 100% impacted this organization and and those things will live on winning will be first in this organization and what's what's the first thing that players see when they go into the locker room ryan pat bowen a picture of pat bowen with the quote i want to be number one in everything <laughs> yep and i want to make one last point here um and and it's definitely a discussion for a different day but the more and more we talk about this the more and more I personally believe, in, and I've made my beliefs on this pretty um, vocal, I personally believe the team needs to stay with the Bolin family. Because, look, Pat Bolin was a new owner of the Denver Broncos, right? He changed the entire culture of the Denver Broncos. And almost all of the vernacular that's used by anyone in the organization comes from Pat Bolin's vocabulary. There is no promises that... If billionaire X comes in and buys the, uh, the team, that he will uphold that. And there's no guarantees that all of that stuff that has made the Broncos special throughout the years won't be changed. Now, maybe it, it's changed. Maybe, you know, they could still be successful and it's changed. Or maybe someone comes in and, and they're the opposite of Pat Bolin and unwinds this. One thing that I know with 100% certainty, is that if Brittany Bolin were to run the Broncos, she would do it with her father in her mind all the time. And that is not guaranteed with anyone else, not even you know necessarily John Elway or Peyton Manning. It's not just a feel-good story. It's, it was successful. It was extremely successful. Extremely. All right, Zach, well... The fans um, all want to pay their respects to Pat Bowen, and, and we're going to give them the opportunity after this break. Just so you know, it's going to be a double long break since we didn't uh, have an ad there at the start of the show. But we'll be right back on the other side and let you guys uh, share your thoughts on the sad passing of Pat Bowen.
Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs, you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward and anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap. You name it, they've got it, and the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Welcome back in to the BSN Broncos podcast. Uh, we're mourning today uh, as Pat Bowen passed away yesterday um, after a long battle with Alzheimer's. And Zach, a lot of people, a lot of our commenters chimed in with their thoughts uh, and their prayers and their feelings and their mourning in their own way. So let's get to those and, and just read them off to give everyone their chance to pay their respects to Pat. And the first one coming in from True Chant Fan 24 he says, No jokes today. Just a heavy heart. R.I.P. Mr. Bolin. Watch over our boys out there and say hello to Darren Williams. Love all the Broncos country. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there's going to be a, uh, if you believe in heaven, I'm sure there'll be a fantastic dinner <laughs> up there with, with some Broncos greats, including Pat, Darren Williams, and, you know, uh, a, a feast will be had. And sunsets and sunrises here will just mean a little more. Certainly so. I really like this next one from EpiPen Ernie. He says, what number should we refrain from using for Mr. B? And then he goes on and says, let's just say the three is for him, for his three trophies as an owner. How perfect is that? That is, that is absolutely Maybe perfect. that's why it was retired all along. We didn't even know yet. <laughs> exactly. So we got one for John and one for Pat. Yep. Three is retired from, from number, numeral comments, and so is seven. That seems pretty darn fitting, doesn't it? Sure does. It sure does. All right, you got the next one? Let's go here 
to Super Bowling. He says, rest easy, Mr. B. What you did and what you will continue to do because of the lessons you taught so many people will not just make the NFL a better place, but the world also. Dementia is a terrible disease. It, only, it not only affects the individual, but the family, friends, and relationships around them. By no means am I saying Alzheimer's is more important than other diseases, but it is the most expensive disease in America, costing uh, more than heart disease and cancer. However, it gets significantly less money for research. Alzheimer's disease is an issue near and dear to me. I completely understand that there are other diseases that need funding, but not one person has survived Alzheimer's or the other three forms of dementia. This is really interesting and, and sad stuff here. He goes on. By 2050, Alzheimer's itself will have cost the USA nearly a trillion dollars in covering the cost for, for care. Again, not trying to rub people the wrong way. I've lost a number of people because of cancer. But there is a gray wave coming. Our population is going to become significantly skewed with the baby boomers generation retiring. I don't care what party you affiliate with, but, I, but what I do care about is quality of life for other adults. And if people advocate to their local, state, and federal politicians, then just maybe one day we can finally have the first survivor. I've spoken to a few people on here about this. I know the NFL does Breast Cancer Month. I wonder if they will do anything Alzheimer's related at the Hall of Fame. Seems like it would be a good way to get some uh, good publicity amongst the general population with all the negative things that have happened in recent years. Again, I'm not saying a cancer that any other disease does not matter. I'm sure it has affected a number of individuals in the BSN community. But when you have a 0% survival rate into something that's costing the most money in the country and also can lead to serious mental health issues for all parties involved in caring for the person with Alzheimer's disease, something needs to change. Please feel free to tell me how wrong I am or ask me how to best advocate for the advancement, uh, research, advancement of research for Alzheimer's disease. Long live Mr. B's legacy, and thank you again for all you've done. You are an inspiration. I think, I mean, that was inspirational right there. I don't, there's absolutely no argument. I think you put it very eloquently, and it's important that people like you are out there spreading the, the, the word and showing just, just how bad it is, and... Um, I think you did a fantastic job, and this is hard to say, but the Bolin family has done a very good job of doing, making some sunshine out of this terrible situation. They have raised a ton of money for this awful disease since Pat was diagnosed with this, and it's only going to continue. Um, of course, Annabelle was also diagnosed with this within the past year, um, and the Broncos uh, along with doing walks uh, and just raising money outside uh, for, for this, they on July 21st, on it's a Sunday, it's the fourth training camp practice this year, it's Alzheimer's Awareness Day, and there's going to be more information that comes out about that, and we will certainly pass all that information on to you guys. But the Broncos, they did this last year. I don't know if that was the first year they did that, uh, but this is going to be something that is with the organization uh, for eternity. Absolutely. And, and I believe the Broncos match any donations that come in that day mm. to fund Alzheimer's research. So maybe, you know, as a community, we can band together and uh, get something for that day, especially um, because, because you know, it's worth double. So that's a good point. Something we should definitely consider. Uh, and again, to Super Bowl and all of that, I think, is very valuable information, and and I think everyone here understands that you're not trying to 
no understate the not. importance of any other research that goes on out there uh but there's there's always room for us to you know put more research into this and anyone that's ever dealt with this disease firsthand knows that it is nasty it's yeah. ugly it's it's it maybe more than and again i i don't know but in my experience maybe more than any other disease it's it, it hurts to see you it know, is so tough on not just that person but the friends and family yeah it's not it's not fun to see it's not it it, it shakes you in a different way to see someone just not be themselves exactly words can't speak to that at all the next one coming in from steve atwater hall of fame he says i'm saddened to hear that pat bolin passed away i feel like he has been a part of my life story for so many years and i have never actually met the man the stories you have told about him commingling among the staff players and media make him seem like a genuinely good person prayers to the family and the broncos organization as a whole this one is for you heaven Dan Burke also chimed in and said, first of all, rest in paradise to Mr. B. He was shocked to read about his passing this morning. Uh, agree with Ryan's tweet about it being a disgrace. He didn't get into the hall earlier, especially not ahead of Jerry Jones. And excuse us if we take a second here to find your comments. We're trying to make sure we get all of the pat ones first, and then we'll circle back around uh, to any um, other comments in the third segment as we try to maybe brighten the day. Once we've finished, you know, giving everyone a chance to say their piece. Next one from Bronco Duck. He says, sad day in Broncos country. I was 13 when Pat Bolin famously said, this one's for John, after upsetting the Packers in Super Bowl 32. I was honestly too young at that point to appreciate what a great owner Mr. Bolin was. As I've gotten older, I realize how lucky I am to be a fan of the team with such a great, passionate, caring, and driven owner. He'll never be truly replaced, and I'll treasure the great memories he helped create as the owner of our awesome franchise i mean anyone who's even just a colorado sports fan can understand the differences between the owners um and i think you know the monforts have shown especially of re recently that they care a bit more about winning but it, i mean it was a long-standing narrative in this state that winning was secondary to them um with Cronky. Who knows how you know where winning ranks? Uh, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I think Josh. To Josh, it means more, and I feel a lot more comfortable with Josh than I did with Stan. But again, none of them can compare to Pat Bowen when it comes to putting money aside. And not a lot of people know this, but there were times. When the money wasn't just readily available. Yep. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Pat Bowen had to get his family in to just buy the team in the first place. It's not as if he was, you know, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg rich and just making it rain uh, to, to make the Broncos good. No, he was literally going to the bank to get more money yeah. to – invest in the Broncos to make them good. We're talking about loans. Legitimately putting money aside and forgetting about any of that just to try and win football games for for you guys. It's pretty special. Exactly. Um, 
Broncos Brit. Did you read that one already? Nope. Broncos Brit chimes in and says, Firstly, thoughts and prayers to the Bolin family. It is a sad day for Broncos fans around the world. He will be remembered and will be with the team. Yeah, I'm sure I'd be shocked if there wasn't a patch this year and, and for many years moving forward. Absolutely. All right. Um, I think we got to the ones talking about Pat Bolin. So, again, uh, I'm sure you guys will continue – uh, to want to share any stories, any thoughts, any feelings. Uh, as always, that's what we're here for, uh, to, to you know give you guys a bit of a voice as you are the ones who make this podcast possible. So as we go on uh, throughout you know the, the weeks, months, whatever, however long you know people want to mourn, um, everyone mourns differently. So if you have a feeling, a thought, if you want to say something about Pat Bowen, we'll make sure that it gets read. Um, like I said earlier, it is Friday. Usually we have a lot of fun on Friday. Obviously, it's a, a very different day today. But we do want to let everyone get their regular comments in as well. And so maybe on the other side of this break, we can try to end the week on a high note and go into the weekend with a better, a little bit of a better feeling in our heart, help maybe cheer up anyone who uh, is having a down day. So when we get back on the other side of this break, we will get to the rest of the comments and again, try to, uh, try to end this Friday on a high note. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. It's a final segment here on a Friday of the BSN Broncos podcast, and we're going to try to bring some get, – let's get some energy going. Let's give people, you know, as they're driving home today on their Friday, getting ready to start their weekend, let's have a cold snack-worthy third segment. What do you say, Zach? Let's do it for the fans. Let's do it. All right. As we promised, we got to go back to yesterday's and get to the ones we couldn't get because Zach left us Thank in you. the dust. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, but let's hop in here, and I believe you have the first couple here. First one coming in from Aaron Litvasky. He says, look like an article that talked about people to have breakout seasons. First name on that list, Garrett Bowles. I really hope this works with Munchak coaching him up, as well as he fits really well in the scheme that we will be running. Second, and more of a question, they said Freeman could come in and get 1,000 yards rushing. Barring an injury to Lindsey, is there a way this happens? Do you think Phil would become second fiddle? 
has there been a tandem of running backs to each have a thousand yard seasons? Also joined a Broncos group on Facebook and first post was spreading the word of BSN. Can't wait for the water and hot pocket episodes to come. OG MVP. Aaron, the true OG MVP coming through, spreading the good word. Thank you. Spreading the good word. You got to let us know if you uh, get any returns on that. Um, I personally don't see the path to a thousand yards for Royce Freeman. I just don't know if the carries will be there. It has happened before. Didn't uh, Kamara and Ingram do it? Did they? They might have. They for sure did thousand yards from scrimmage. For sure. Um, and maybe that's possible. That's I think the route. But even then, I just don't think there's enough touches out there for Royce Freeman to get to a thousand yards. So let me flip it. Not is it possible for Philip Lindsay to get to a thousand yards? Because that's an easy yes. Willie, right now, do you predict? Philip Lindsay gets a thousand rushing yards. No, I think he has something closer to like eight hundred fifty rushing yards to go along with three hundred receiving yards. Exactly, exactly. And uh, I think you see Royce had did Royce have five hundred last year? In that area, for sure. Expect him to go up to seven fifty, eight hundred. Yeah. So it's just, it's going to be very similar production from last year. It's just going to be a little more even. I asked Coach Fangio if he prefers the bell cow yeah. or um, alternating approach. He didn't really give an answer. He said, <laughs> uh, "Depends." Yeah, exactly. Next one coming in from Broncos East Coast fifty eight says, yo, guys, need to share my excitement with all the jersey talk. Of course, I got the Miller jersey as the go-to, but while thrift shopping, I just scored a Terrell Davis starter jersey. Pumped to rock at this upcoming season, and also, the more I hear about Vic Fangio, the more I feel confident this team will figure it out. I never had faith in VJ from the beginning. Looking forward to Denver getting back into the playoffs. Whew, Ryan, that sounds right up your alley. Just stumbling upon a Terrell Davis starter jersey. I do enjoy uh, searching thrift stores for vintage Denver sports gear. And if you find that one, that's a win, right? That is definitely a dub. Next one from Lax Freak. I'm so happy you said that one first. That would have taken me 700 years to figure out what that is. Tell me what your initial reaction is. I'm like LAX for three act. <laughs> no idea. LAX for three act. <laughs> you know, the airport. I don't know. <laughs> he says, Oh, here we go. He says, Looking forward to the <laughs> upcoming say, did season. You say, like, da 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 da. That was your pause. He pretty much did. <laughs> Looking forward to the upcoming season. I was getting hyped for what this team could potentially be. I think most of Broncos country wants this team at a minimum to be entertaining. I want to see a complete offense, putting 65-yard drives together, converting on third downs, and actually finishing in the red zone. My dream is we have two 1,000-yard receivers with seven touchdowns, 1,300 yards. I think we read this one yesterday, didn't we? Did we get to this one? I think so. Okay, I guess it was a double post. Did we? And, and I think that's what he was referencing and the thing that got me stumbled up earlier. So, do you think 1,000 yards, 2,000-yard rushers, or 2,000-yard receivers? Oh, I do remember talking about this. Um, uh, no. Yeah, that would... We've seen it. Yeah. You know uh, the Peyton Manning was the quarterback. <laughs> That's that is exactly it. Um, so sorry for I guess you got a little bonus question in there, and we got to read it again. Next one coming in from Ban Fam 
13.1. Maybe a little half marathon runner here. Kind of goes along Pat Bowen's line. He was oh, a triathlete, thir- which is absolutely incredible. 13.1. Yep. Only you would know that. <laughs> it's a good thing I read that one. <laughs> I thought it was just like the 13th version of the <laughs> software. He says, hey guys, been listening to the pod for about six months now. Subscri- subscribed a couple of months ago, and today is my first comment. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. First off, thank you for the best and most entertaining Broncos news available. I grew up in Colorado and have been a Broncos fan for life. I currently live in a small town in Kansas, and I'm surrounded by Chiefs fans. Yuck. Luckily, there are a handful of Broncos fans in the area, and the local bar is owned by a Bronco-loving family. The name of the bar is O.I. Oistuga. Am I missing something there? Okay, good. But Bronco decor inside and have a plaque inside that reads Mile High East. Another cool connection to the Broncos is that Philip Lindsay's sister was a volleyball coach at the local college for a couple years. We are a Swedish community that embraces our heritage, and nearly every house in town has a dollar horse with their name on it hanging from their house. If you saw the special on ESPN about Phil, they open it showing the front of his parents' house, and there is a Swedish dollar horse that reads Lindsay hanging from their front porch that was purchased from one of the local shops. I know the owner well, and he was thrilled to see the product on ESPN. Wow, that is, that is some inside stuff. You can't get anywhere else. I love, I love when you yeah. guys come in with stories like that. Like, yeah. We would never know that. Yeah. Impossible. Yeah, that is, that is so cool. That's he, so cool to hear. I, I didn't even know like communities like that were even a thing. No, I had no idea either. In Kansas. How about that? He goes on to say, as far as a women's soccer celebration, since this was from yesterday, we can allow it. He I says, think there's some more that came in about this. Uh-oh. He says, I'm on Ryan's side. This is the World Cup. The women are going in with a chip on their shoulder because they are not the favorite to win it this year after winning four years ago. Olympians don't, sh- don't slow down or refrain from celebrating if they destroy their competition. Momentum is huge in any sport, and they want to put fear in the eyes of everyone. If we were on the losing end of that game, it'd be embarrassing because of the score, not the celebration. Just my take. As for a Broncos question... Who are your top 10 Broncos of all time? We'll go five. I like that. All right. John Elway, TD, Shannon Sharp. Sharp, yep. What about defense? Or do you go offense? Oh, there's too many options. We're going top three. (laughs) (laughs) So who's the top three? You cut Sharp out of there? No, I'm going all offense. But who's the top three? Didn't you just read four? No. What? Who was the fourth? It was... John L.A.T.D. and Shannon Sharp. Oh, yeah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I like that. He says, thanks for giving me the daily entertainment and dropping Broncos knowledge bombs. Well, thanks for thanks for commenting. We love having you on board. Maybe we can do top ten in a week or so. Exactly. Um, you know what? I was going to wait until the very end of the podcast to share this, but I'll share it now. Mm-hmm. I have... Exciting news. Oh. And it is fun it is Friday fun segment worthy for sure. Oh. Yesterday I said, you know what? Today's the day. Today's the day I'm gonna reach out to Brandon Perna. I did so and he said, Hell no, I'm not coming on your <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. He said, I would love to come on your podcast anytime, and we are set, Zach, for Tuesday. Oh Tuesday we will have the great Brandon Perna in quote unquote studio <laughs> with us 
And I think that is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Get ready for some Friday fun on a Tuesday. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll help. Tuesday's the worst day of the week, as everyone knows. We will help get get through that as as good as we can. If you don't know Brandon, you're gonna enjoy him. He yes. is a hoot. Yes, it's it's going to. I can guarantee you, it'll be entertaining and it'll be fun. That's what that is definitely what we can guarantee. Probably some Broncos too. So. I'm sure a lot of a lot of you will be excited about this. If you don't know who he is, go check out his YouTube channel, and you'll realize quickly why he is a, a, almost a, a cult hero in some circles yep. of Broncos fandom. Yep. Okay. Are we on to today's podcast? So the first one here comes in from Steve Atwater, Hall of Fame. He has questions about the AFC West, one on each team. The Raiders. How many 25-yard catches will Antonio Brown make when his new quarterback – Derek, check down car only <laughs> holds the ball for 1.2 seconds per play. It's going to be Antonio Brown making those plays. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of slants. Yep, with Antonio breaking out. Ryan, really quick on the Raiders. I was at a barbecue last night, and a Vikings fan at out of nowhere says, you know who's going to win the AFC West? Yeah, I said you're going to say the Chiefs. But since since you're asking me, they should probably going to say the Chargers. The Raiders. And I said, go run to Vegas and put your money on that if you think that's going to happen. Don't do that. (laughs) You might as well just tell them to just go to the bathroom and use it as toilet paper. (laughs) There's no chance. No. No. All right. Chiefs question. Do you think the loss of John Dorsey is bigger than most people realize? He drafted all of the Chiefs' current star players and has killed it in Cleveland. He drafted both Mahomes and Mayfield. Can't, Can't defend against that. But if they have Mahomes, they're going to be fine. You know, worst case, they're going to be fine. What's, I mean, what's fine, though? If they don't win a Super Bowl with Mahomes, it's an absolute failure. I, I completely agree. They're just they're going to be – you're going to think about them every single year. For sure. Chargers question. Does the return of Hunter Henry, former Razorback, give Crimea Rivers the bump he needs to finally win the division and make some noise in the playoffs? Overall, this is the best chance he's ever had. Is this the best chance he's ever had to win yes, it all? Yes, yes, yes. This is the best team he has ever had. Am I as confident in saying they're going to take everything and run with it? No, I'm not as confident, but this is the best opportunity he's had. You want to hear something funny? Yes. You just mentioned the Raiders uh-huh. taking your money to the bank. Uh-huh. I just got a notification uh-huh. on my phone. You did. You lit up. You know who the favorite is to win the NBA title next season? 2020 remember the, the warriors may be down their two best players for the year i'm trying to think of how this connects with the raiders the think of awful fan bases lakers yes they're the favorite the lakers who, no the lakers who did not make the playoffs <laughs> this year are the favorites at, at uh, caesar's palace at let me get the numbers here tick tock tick tock Four to one. Yeah. What's what's a worse bet? That or the Raiders? That's a worse bet. That is that is crazy. So they, they expect to get what, two superstars on top of LeBron? I guess. You can get the Warriors right now at ten to one. Now I realize that uh Clay Thompson tore his ACL and Kevin Durant tore his Achilles. But let's live in a world now where both of them opt into their deal i think i don't i don't know if clay's unrestricted but kevin durant has an opt-in mm-hmm. so let's say he opts in mm-hmm. and let's say clay thompson for some reason sticks around 
They're going to be back before the end of the season. Right. So all Steph has to do, and Draymond. Make the playoffs. Is make the playoffs. Yep. Mm. Would you feel confident confident in that? I feel like it's like betting on the Patriots. Yeah, that's easy. And speaking of betting on the Patriots, and speaking of odds, this is crazy how this is all coming together. Yesterday, I saw the top four uh, favorites to win the Super Bowl next year. Patriots, number one, six to one odds. Chiefs are tied with the Rams and the Saints. Those teams are all at 10 to one odds. I'm really confident one of those four teams is going to win the Super Bowl. Are you pretty confident in that? Uh, it's not going to be the Chiefs. It's not going to be the Rams. Maybe you're not as confident. I'm not as confident. Who who would dethrone them? The Patriots. They're in there. <laughs> no, no, that's I know, one of I the know. four teams. I know. Um, but I I I don't even want the Chiefs and Rams in my pool here. Mm, well, then this is even better news for you. But what I was going to say is, if you act now you and know, you put even money on all of those teams, I th- I'd feel great about the because no matter who wins, if the Patriots win, you're still coming out even even after losing the money on betting on those other teams. Actually, you would be plus if you put the same amount of money on each one. Right, you're coming out ahead. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even if the team with the worst odds wins. But you got to bet kind of a significant amount of money for it to be worth right. the time investment. Yeah, you're not doing you're not doing 5 bucks right. on, on each team. You probably got to do a, at least 100 on each team because then if the Patriots won, you'd still be plus 200. Pretty good. Right? I mean, who 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 would the you Chargers? Know, I guess if, personally, I'd probably throw the Chargers in there too. The Chargers aren't making it out of the second <laughs> round, no chance. Um, you know who I who I think is the dark horse or the dark bird, if you will. It's probably not the Raiders, right? The Eagles. Oh, I was actually going to think you were. I thought you were throwing nonsense around about the Cardinals when you said birds. Ah, oh, no, no. Mm, Eagles. Okay, so how about how about you take that scenario and you throw the Eagles on there because you're still coming out ahead. And if I would do it, I would do it with the Chargers. I would go Patriots, Saints, Eagles. Probably got to have two te- uh, two teams in each. Mm, right. Rams or Saints? No, I've already got two. Oh, yeah. Two NFC. I need an AFC team. I don't believe in the Chiefs. I think they're coming back to earth this year. I think so, too. Chargers? No. Nope. Who else would it be? Browns? Are you really doing the that? Bills, baby? <laughs> <laughs> My Bills. There we go. Oh <laughs> uh, man, I don't know. I guess I would just go three. Yeah, and then you're getting even better odds. Yeah. But it's interesting when you're this far out. I bet those Lakers odds change significantly once Week One comes. Well, it's just all going to de- depend on who they get. Exactly. I cannot believe they're the favorites. <laughs> That's wild. I wonder if anyone on this podcast uh, had bet on the Broncos to win the Super Bowl before they got Peyton Manning. Well, I guess it wouldn't have mattered because mm. they didn't win. <laughs> but right. that was one of the biggest swings ever because their quarterback was Tim Tebow. They had just gone 8-8. Eight and eight, And they were like 20-1. to one. What about the Blues this year? Weren't they dead last in the NHL? There was a point where you could get them at 250 to 1. This season? This During the season. Oh. Wow. Could you imagine if you just put 100 bucks on that? <laughs> you were just like drunk in Vegas. And you didn't mean to? Well, no. You're, you're, you're a Blues fan, but you stupidly – you woke up the next morning and you right. were like, 
what did I do? You open your wall and you pull out your <laughs> tickets. You're like, did I win anything last night? I did what now? <laughs> for this year? Oh. Oh, yeah. I thought it was for next year. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What would that be? If you, like 25000 No, it wouldn't be more. If it, oh, you said 250, yeah. 100, yep. What a day that would be. All right. He says, compare the following players to an animal, mythical or real. Philip Lindsay, Tasmanian Devil. Yeah. That was his nickname at CU. Easy. Joe Flacco. My first thought was a giraffe. That's it. That was my first thought. <laughs> Maybe um, like a, a gorilla just because of the strong arms. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger than everyone. Yep. Has to be a big thing. Von Miller. Powerful, it maybe powerful. like a maybe a Razorback, powerful oh, and fast. Oh, I like it. I'm sure, Steve Atwater Hall of Fame will love that. Uh, Garrett Bowles, <laughs> uh, a, kind of a gorilla with a gut. <laughs> um, like an orangutan. Yeah, sure, sure. And Derek Wolf, but you can't choose a wolf. You can't choose a wolf. Well, what's the point of doing it then? It's got to be something dangerous angry how about fierce. a um um a wolverine it's not a wolf <laughs> i love it <laughs> okay next one here comes in from 702 pilot he says i first started rooting for the broncos when i became a cadet at the united states air force academy none of that ohio state bs which was back in the cutler orton then tebow days i appreciate rk sticking up for us when zach didn't know we had a baseball team got you <laughs> I actually have an Air Force account. I have an Air Force hat. I I I always root for the Air Force. Oh, of course. Um, their colors are sweet too. I don't know something. The, the they have the perfect blue. Yeah. To go with white. They do. Going along with schools, I would want to hear your guys' takes on how you viewed the schools in Colorado, and I'll give you mine. CU Stoners, but I always went to Boulder for the parties. CSU Rednecks. DU, rich, stuck-up kids. Sorry, Zach. And others, no one cared. Plus, DU is always our rival in soccer. Keep up the great pods. Go Pios. CU, I, I just, I don't know. I grew up in Boulder. I just thought CU was just the coolest. Like, I, <laughs> I, I don't, if that's not me being, like, a homer. I'm just saying, like, I always thought, like, I didn't have a take on CU, really. Personally, growing up in Denver, I just viewed all the schools in kind of a different class. Like, CU and CSU were, you know, a a two-school. They were in their own little two-school Colorado rivalry going on. And then, uh, I don't know. Then it's just kind of all individual schools. There's not, like, huge rivalries in Colorado. I, um... I I wouldn't use the word rednecks for how I viewed CSU. and, And most of my sports fandom comes from my grandpa. And I used to watch everything with him and I specifically remember we were watching a Rocky Mountain showdown when I was very very young and before the game like being a kid I was just so confident you know and I'm like there's just no way they don't even play in a big conference there's no way they can be this was probably like eight years old and I just remember my grandpa being like ah up there they have they have farm boys and farm boys just have a different type of strength and they're gonna be strong and they're gonna be tough in the trenches and he was right about that they're always got some strong tough players up there so i always thought of csu as like like i just pictured them like carrying around like bays of hail <laughs> yeah i wouldn't go redneck i would go exactly I'd, I'd go if you're classifying it farm 
because they used to be the agricultural school, uh, so kind of feeds yep. into that, and they have a big veterinary school, which also feeds into that. Yeah, yeah. Usually you think of, like, vets for, like, dogs and cats, but it really is all animals. Yep. Um, DU... I'd, say it, Ryan. I'd, say I'd, your truth. I just feelings. thought they were really good at hockey. <laughs> yeah, like that's all I really knew about DU. I I did think it was um, smart people. Oh, thank you. So that's, that's about all. <laughs> DU has, and this isn't scientific. It's got to be. They have the best sports program for not having a football team and for not having a. a um, a top tier basketball team either. I mean, for not having competitive either of those teams and they don't even have a football team, it's got to be the best sports in the country. They're so good at lacrosse and they're so good at hockey. Now, you know, those are like a one and two on the scale of zero to a hundred in, in this country. And you have football at what, 99 and college basketball, just ranking in college terms at, at a 70 that peaks to a 90 in March and, you know, in December is at 40 or something. So it's just unfortunate that we chose the two sports. I guess hockey, hockey gets a little bit more pub. In the Frozen Four is basically the only right. time college and hockey becomes it's a, like relevant. It's like 15 on the scale. Though. Yeah. Um, but I think it's cool, though, because it's di- it's different. Like, none of the other schools are good at those. Right. So they don't have to compete, except for Colorado College, like, used to yep. be good at hockey. Right. They're not anymore. Yep. Um, so I, I think that part of it is cool. It's unique. All right. From BA Bronco. He says, Hey guys, great pod. I became a Broncos fan because my father was, and I fell in love with watching LA run around throwing bombs to the three amigos. First live game I watched, they played the Colts at the RCA dome. Yes, I'm old. My father and I got there early to watch warmups and I was lucky enough to have Mark Jackson take a wristband off and toss it to me as a souvenir. Coolest moment of my young life. That's awesome. My first Broncos jersey was none other, none other than the great Neil Smith. Then in L.A. after that, it's been about 19 years since I've owned one, but I'm leaning heavily towards a Reisner jersey. He is great, and I have to support my fellow linemen. You guys keep up the great work, and I'll stay tuned in. I love it. I love hearing about it. Um, So thank you for your comment. All right, next one coming in from Sunny Rain says, I had no idea that you would need to skip over my portion of a comment if mentioning anything political in any way. My bad. I want to explain this because it's not as if we're saying like, you can never talk politics or anything like that. It's just that we talk so much about community and like trying to bring you guys together. And I think that's one of the coolest parts about this. So it's not as if like, we're like mad at you for wanting to talk about politics. No, It's just, I think that sort of stuff and especially, especially when it relates to talking about the president, I think it can be divisive. And I just don't want to give anyone a reason to dislike anyone else or, you know, want to argue or fight with anyone else. It's just not uh, it's not something that I'm interested in doing. And I think if we keep things sports here, and there are probably some other people who said like, you shouldn't keep, you shouldn't stick to sports. Like, talk about this. Like, and we don't, we don't just stick to sports. We talk about all of our interests <laughs> in life. I just don't want to go down that road. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can appreciate that. And again, it's, it has nothing to do with you, Sunny Rain. It's just it's. It probably is just better for everyone if we just avoid talking politics here. I love disagreeing. And Ryan, you and I don't disagree enough about Broncos stuff. So it was great to have the sportsmanship debate that we had. But it was civil. And when you dive into the politics realm, especially now, it gets uh, that the the civility. What, what? Civility. Civility. Thank you. Civility 
just vanishes pretty quickly. And so I love the community we have. And, and I love that while I'm sure there are very many different political stances, religious stances, all of that, we all have one thing in common. We're very interested in the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. And no, no, no one and nothing can take that away from this community. And so we'll always have that. We'll always be on common ground if we just stay there. He says, with that, let's talk about something fun. Ryan mentioned creating players and teams for NCAA football video games. The final version of the game had a feature called Team Builder that you could create the entire team and upload and download online. I think it was NCAA Football 2010. I'm old as hell, and outside of the outside of commissioning my fantasy sports league, that was my ultimate hobby. I created a team called the Death Valley Criminals that was chock full of the most vile people in human history. Wow. I literally had to research for the majority of these people, and while I had fun playing with the team, the research was one of the darkest endeavors I've ever taken. Think of anyone in history. I probably had them as a player on that created team. I recently started watching the uh, documentary on, oh God, what's his name? Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. That was dark. Yeah. I, I haven't made it through, uh, mostly because my girlfriend doesn't like watching stuff that, that that's that dark late at night, which is just about the only time that we ever watch <laughs> yep. TV. Um, but man, I'm sure he was on your team. That was <laughs> yep. a dark, dark individual. Oh, yeah. Um, There's also a movie. We did watch the movie which comes from the um, perspective of his girlfriend or wife. Um, that was really interesting too. But yeah, that's, uh, that's one way to do it. I had, I, have I told the story of my uh, NCAA football tragedy? Not the tragedy, no. I put so much freaking time into that <laughs> game. Probably as much game as I've ever put into any video game in my entire life. I was in year like 12 with the Buffs. Oh, wow. We went from being terrible to being a national powerhouse. In that game, you had to do all the recruiting too. Yeah. And that was time consuming. You had to like go to each player, <laughs> yeah. like have the conversations, tell them what they were what you were going to give them. And then like if you didn't – like if you promise a player playing time as a freshman, he comes in and you don't play him, then he transfers. Like I was so deep into this thing, Zach. <laughs> and I had not yet won a national championship. Every year, I would get close, or I would barely miss out because it was still in the BCS days, mm-hmm. and I would play for you know whatever bowl, the Fiesta Bowl. I had made this is a totally true story. I had made it to the championship, and I was very confident in my team this year. I was going to win, but my. Um, Xbox said it was running low on memory. Uh-oh. So I was like, oh, I, I got to go in and just delete some of my old oh, saves. Oh, no. Stop. You, you know where it's <laughs> going. So I'm just like quickly going through like, scroll up A, scroll up A, scroll up A, just deleting old stuff. Uh-huh. I was like, I can't risk I can't risk possibly <laughs> running out of memory, like not being able to save the, the my franchise after I finally, or my program once I finally win. Press up and A, just one too many times. <laughs> Deleted the whole thing. How quickly did it take you to realize? My heart dropped as if I just heard <laughs> someone in my family died. Were there tears? No tears. I was like frantic. I was like, no, 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 undo, no, no. Oh, just, oh, there's got to be an undo button. There's got to be an undo button. No undo button. Oh, Googled no. it. How do you 
recover a deleted file from an Xbox. Can't do it. Oh, no. Even tried to call support. <laughs> I was shook. Oh. And to this day, I've never once touched the game again. I was too, <laughs> I was too heartbroken wow. to ever go back. Wow. Too much work gone. Any chance you'll touch it when they potentially come out with one this year? Is that a thing? Yeah. If that happens, I will buy it and quit <laughs> my job. Play it and, every day. And get to year 12? Get back to year 12, baby. <laughs> Gotta win the chip. That's heartbreaking. I I mean, I've never been so upset over something so stupid <laughs> in my life. But I'm, I'm being serious when I tell you I was shook. Oh, I can't even imagine. He finishes with, I made some fun teams as well, mostly high school teams in Colorado and Minnesota. I used to use my Creek team to beat down some teams someone else made in, in, in someone else made like Columbine, Fairview, and Mullen. LOL. Man, I missed that game. Zach wouldn't have liked that because it was too unrealistic that you were beating Fairview. <laughs> no, Creek usually beat us. We had some years, though. Next one coming in from Lindsay, MVP 2020, says, Hey, guys, just got back to Thailand or just got back to the Thailand-USA soccer debate. We diving in, Ryan? Go ahead. <laughs> According to the Guardian newspaper, and based on last year's audited financial statements, U.S. Soccer's annual, US soccer's annual spend on the women's national team was $17.1 million out of $71 million annual budget. The annual budget from the Football Association of Thailand for the women is not known, although it will be much smaller than that for the men's team. Also, also, a large part of the budget for the Thai women's side comes from their general manager. Wow. So looking at it in Broncos terms, it would be like the Denver Broncos playing a high school football team. No one would feel good about Von Miller sacking a high school quarterback and for the 10th time and celebrating like he just sacked Tom Brady. With Zach on this one. Keep up the good work, guys, and loving this additional content in a low Broncos news cycle. Great, great information you brought in there, Lindsay MVP 2020. All right. We um, have to hustle a little bit here. So we're going to stick to the Broncos-related uh, questions from your comments. Sorry if anyone is offended. And I, this one comes in from Karch. He says, from what you've seen, what kind of coach is Munchak? Is he the type to be loud, get in your face, and demand excellence? Or is he the type to sit back and let his do reputation do the talking while calmly interacting with the players on a more personal level? Can he finally be the one to get through to Bowles? What do you think of this line left to right? Bowles, Leary, Reisner, McGovern, Taylor. Sorry for the long post. I get really excited hearing my favorite pod talk my favorite sport for a bit. So Mike Munchak looks like a former Hall of Fame offensive lineman. He, he looks the part, and he has the best posture, and he, he walks with purpose. He doesn't, he doesn't you know run anywhere. He's not screaming at people. He just you, – you look at him, Ryan – and if I, t if I didn't tell you who anyone was and I said there's a Hall of Fame coach on this field, you'd probably be able to point him out. Just be He acts like he embodies it. It's incredibly impressive, and you can tell when he says something, they are listening. For me, the word that comes to mind is teaching. He doesn't look like he's coaching. He looks like he's teaching. He speaks to them very directly. Yeah. He talks to players eye to eye. And to me, I just feel like this whole process of him – has been not to coach them to this point. It's been to teach them so then later he can coach them on what they've learned. Exactly. 
Um, next one coming in from Foco OG. Foco G. Foco G. And I'm trying to get to the Broncos question. Here we go. Question. How do you guys see the Broncos spreading out the quarterback's playing time over the preseason? Flacco maybe gets a drive or two before Locke comes out. Then how long does he play before Rippin and so on? Thanks for the great show. I laugh every episode and look forward to it every day. <laughs> Didn't even mention Kevin Hogan. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay. Hall of Fame game will be no starters. So we'll start there. Um, I don't know. I assume Kevin Hogan will start. I think I hate so to too. Say it. I think so too. Um, I bet you he gets a quarter or so. Uh, he probably gets a half. Locke gets the third. Rippon gets the fourth. Mm, hate to say it. Yeah, I think that's right though. Then in the first preseason game, Flacco will get about a series and or two and then they'll you'll go back to that same rotation oh. hogan will get the rest of the half lock in the third uh ripping in the fourth and you can kind of just spread it out for me i speak for both of us i hope we're both very wrong i do too uh, you know what maybe there's a chance that they officially make lock the number two they should uh, limiting limiting his reps in the preseason live bullets just because you're trying to keep up the charade that Kevin Hogan is the backup is actually would actually be a highly detrimental decision. It's not just yeah, exactly. It's not just a bad look. It is hurting your football team. So I'll give Hogan the Hall of Fame game. And then I think it's gotta be over after that. I hope so. I hope that's exactly it. Next one from Dan Burke. He says, I was listening to another podcast. And they did a show about the uh, the top players under and including 25 to build a roster with. If y'all had to think of 10 players that you see as building blocks of the future, who would y'all pick? My list keeps Well, whatever changing. podcast that was, that's a good idea. Yeah. Credit to them. I'm sure we'll do that sometime. My list keeps changing, but I'm happy with this. One, Chubb. Two, Locke. Three, Sutton. Four, Simmons. Five, Lindsey. Six, Reisner. Or six, Fant. Seven, Reisner. Eight, Will Parks. Nine, Deshaun Hamilton. And ten, Chaz Green. JK, maybe Draymond Jones for the interior pass rush. Was a lot harder than it sounded. Wanted to include a corner, and Yadam is the only player I would be comfortable putting here. Uh, Lindsey's way too low on your list. I would go... Five? Yeah. What is it? Building blocks for the roster. I guess, okay, so you have to think of building blocks for the roster. You definitely have to go Chubb Lock 1-2, don't you? Yes. Because you're talking about building blocks. Yes. Chubb, I mean, technically Lock should probably be number one. You're not wrong. But he hasn't proven anything yet, right. so I think you stick with Chubb. I'm going Lock 1, Chubb 2. Fair enough. Uh, Three, Lindsey. Me as well. Four, Sutton. Five, Fant, in my opinion. Four for me, maybe Reisner. Okay. Uh, six for me is Reisner. Next after Fant, or after Reisner would be Fant, and then Sutton. Okay. Have I done Sutton yet? Yes. Okay. I, I did. your four. Okay. Uh, Should we round out a top five just like that? Yeah. That's our top five. We'll call it <laughs> We're going to get all sorts of... And if you if you guys have these ideas that you want us to elaborate on, this is the time to do it. Shoot them in, and if we think it's you know worthy of first segment where we can talk about them, we'll just save it for the next episode. Absolutely, Steve Atwater. Oh, we already got that one. Already got that one. 
Next one coming in from Broncos, Brit73 says, My question to you guys is, during the OTAs and minicamp, did Reisner go full steam? As I read in an article that Wolf had to tell him to chill out. Keep up the good work, lads. Denver Bronco for life. Here's the thing about a guy like Dalton Reisner. There's no such thing as full steam for him. Mm. He only has one gear, and that gear is full steam for other people. But for him, that's just the gear. It's a one, he's a one-gear bike. Just like Philip Lindsay. That's what makes him special. And uh, I love it. I freaking love that attitude. I absolutely do too. Ryan, we have three long comments remaining. Okay. Can we get to the uh, the Broncos question? I don't know if there are Broncos questions. All right. We have time. So we'll we'll get these quickly. I'll get the first one for coming in, or we'll, we'll just flip-flop. Make the Broncos great again. Says, hey, guys, sorry for the long one, but it's the offseason, so why not? I wanted to chime in on how I became a fan, but also elaborate on what it was like to be a f- fan pre-internet. I was a young, impressionable 13-year-old boy in Colorado when the Broncos acquired John Elway from the Colts in 1983. What many of you may not realize is that John Elway, back in the day, was the Patrick Mahomes of his time. He was young, highly athletic, had a cannon of an arm, could be also beat you with his legs, and pretty much lit the NFL on fire. When I went to college in Seattle in 1990, my Broncos world was rocked because I could no longer get updates on the team. No longer could I watch the Broncos play on Sundays unless they were nationally televised. I really, I never really minded the Seattle Seahawks, but after moving there, I sure learned how much Seahawks fans despise the Broncos. I guess it's because every time we played them, we beat them down. When the Broncos would play the Seahawks, I would scrape together as much money as I could to go watch the games in the kingdom. Uh, the stadium was like a ghost town compared to Mile High. You'd basically get a ticket, walk in, and sit wherever you want. It almost felt like an exhibition game because no one was there. I guess you could say the 12th man didn't show up until Russell Wilson came along. In 1997, I bought a house and got signed up for DirecTV so I could watch Broncos games. This helped a lot, but outside of the games, there really wasn't much info on the Broncos except a couple websites that didn't have a lot of content. So I had to subscribe to the Denver Post to get consistent Broncos updates. The next year, the Broncos won the Super Bowl, and the day after the game, I bought a ticket and flew back to Colorado and walked in the parade downtown. I scored a great spot to stand and watch the players give their speeches at the Capitol. It was awesome. Most of my adult life has been spent outside of Colorado, and it's always been challenging getting good info on the team. But in the last few years, with the advent of podcasts like BSN and other Broncos-only websites, it's only gotten so much better. It's gotten so much better. Now, especially in the last two to three years, there's so much info everywhere via podcasts, articles, subscriptions, etc., that you can live anywhere in the world and be just as informed about your team as though you live right in the heart of Denver. I'm so thankful for this pod and the BSN community and the information I can get while living way out west in Bend, Oregon. And we are so thankful to have you on board. Absolutely. He finished and says, The Broncos have always been a huge part of my life, and it's enriched even more with the content you guys provide. Thank you so much for all that you do, and go Broncos. And thank you so much for rolling along with us, and I'm so happy we can provide that content. Next one coming in from DeBroncos Man says, Hey, RK, Zach, and BSN fam. Thanks, guys, for the daily content that is engaging, informative, and fun. Thanks to the BSN fam for being classy and a great place to belong. Much love to you all. Guys, you may need to add uh, 
not safe for work tag on hey, the pod. Look at you knowing what NSFW <laughs> stands for. I, I sweated a little bit, but I got it. I listen to you daily with my headphones on at work and I'm constantly laughing out loud. People here think I'm nuts and I actually enjoy and think I actually <laughs> enjoy my job. Though I love two-hour pods, I will try to respect your time and keep it as short as I can. As he goes with the longest <laughs> pod, longest comment of the day. So number one, he says, hashtag Team Zach Manship. I like team that. Team Zachmanship. It's oh, like team, team Zachmanship. I like that. Team Zachmanship. I really enjoyed the different tone of the podcast from a few days ago. One of the greatest aspects of your pod is your relationship and like-mindedness. So it's nice when you disagree. Zach's laugh has the power to defuse bombs. <laughs> Two, Broncos fandom. My dad moved to California from Hawaii in the early 70s, and all of his friends were either 49ers fans or Cowboys fans. I guess he wanted to be different and pick the Broncos as his team. Needless to say, I came out of the womb rocking the blue and orange, and my love for this team has grown ever since. I lived through multiple disappointments in the 80s and cried. Then going back to, back in 97 and 98 was so vindicating, I cried. The ups and downs of the post-Elway era that led to the Manning years, which led us to Super Bowl 50, now being stuck in the post-Manning years have taught me two things as fans there will always be ups and downs but sticking it out will always be worth it also the importance of a franchise qb uh is critical to the longevity of success skip three for mr b four jerseys with my ties to hawaii the first jersey my dad had me in was a jason elam one and an ashley the lee 85 ha 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 ready to catch some flack for these kickers are people too since since my collection has grown to the usual suspects elway champ Marshall, the the wide receiver, Vaughn, and Peyton. Currently deciding between an Atwater or a Chubb for this season. Can't go wrong with Stevie At. Uh, five, BSN fandom. Living in SoCal, it's hard to get great Broncos coverage and even harder to find a great community of Broncos fans. I got tired of the national media as their outlooks are much different than the local media. I found the Mile High Report and eventually you guys. And needless to say, I'm a one-team man. Broncos and BSN, baby. I wanted to say thank you again to RK and Zach for their daily efforts and to all the BSN community here. We are truly lucky to have a place where we can win together, lose together, and today mourn together. Rest easy, Mr. B, and thank you for giving us a team we can have pride in no matter the outcome of the game. We will truly celebrate your life when you are enshrined in Canton. Prayers up for the Bolins and the rest of Broncos country. We we all lost a piece of us. Much much a hollow, Darren. Aloha. Aloha, Darren. I think that was a great way, uh, a great comment to finish on there as he kind of summarized the thoughts that we've had, uh, summarized the thoughts that we've had throughout the pod. Uh, And that is going to do it for us today. So we hope you guys um, are doing all right on a tough day in Broncos country. Hopefully we could do uh, as much um, right by as we could uh, for the Pat Bowen legacy. And we thank all of you for tuning in for us all week. Uh, And I think we'll end today by simply saying, rest in peace, Mr. Bowl.
Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order.